Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and Happy New Year and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Alan, David and Matt back with you for, I think, our seventh season of covering the highs and lows of Scottish rugby. We hope you're very, very well. You've had a great festive season. You've loved the 1872 Cup action and you're looking forward to the Six Nations kicking off in just four weeks. Matt, how are you doing, pal? I'm good, man. That's seven seasons. That is a, you know, that's something I to take in. I think that's right, that's, is it? That's pretty, I think you could be right. Um, seven. Oh, it's, good, it was, it's good to be back. Yeah. So nice. We've had a few, few weeks off, various bits and pieces. Um, the world was sort of crumbling without us. Uh, it went was. To 1872, went to 1872 uh, with my parents and said to them, you know, if I get stopped and asked for photos, autographs, just, you know, play it cool. Uh, didn't happen once. That was a bit sad. But I maybe, did, people I, just, maybe people have slightly forgotten about us. But you know, we're 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 back. We're we're good to go. I I did get stopped in my local coffee shop by somebody who heard me ordering um, and asked about the pod, and I was really taken aback. So thank you very much to coffee shop man, whoever you are, because I didn't even ask your name or anything like that. I treated you like a real sort of a lister. I was like, I don't have time for you. Get out of here. Um, but yeah, it's nice nice to be stopped, Alan. You spent um, Christmas and New Year in New Zealand. Did you get stopped by anybody over there? We've got a big fan base over there. <laughs> no, sad, sadly not. Um, no, just managed to catch one of the 1892 games. I was on the plane for the second one. Um, watched the first one on dial-up internet, which was uh, which was a fun nice. experience via URC TV, which was my first um, first time of using the app. Which do you know what? It was good. It was better than Premier Sports. So you know. <laughs> It's a, a low, low bar. bar, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. I used the US, the um, Viaplay app the other day. It was okay. I, I think Viaplay bit... is going to be better than Premier Sports. Viaplay is just like a bigger thing. 
yeah like, exactly. it's, it's it's like a much bigger and better company than premier sports how much do you think they paid for it what paid for premier sports yeah minus 20 million pounds <laughs> we one of those like... one of those deals you see where it's like they bought premier sports for a pound yeah 100%. premier sports got to just be like four lads in a warehouse in dublin can be more and then they just sort of pay like john barclay to come in once in a while i bet they like share an office with like paddy power <laughs> the Juggy vipon bill must be quite big on premier sports and he and he deserves every penny he does deserve yeah, every penny. penny great value you get an awful lot of doogie for your money do you think we'll see uh I think Viaplay will release a video of their CEO working out and then meeting <laughs> like like Alan Wynne Jones in Cardiff. I hope so. I think Rock Nation are truly showing us the potential of um, of what the future of rugby is by releasing a documentary about themselves. That's and exactly what they need to do. Specifically about the like MD of their rugby department, who is was I was. We were chatting earlier. I feel like it's this sort of combination of Partridge and then Anthony Scaramucci. Yeah. Oh my, that was so spot on as well. I hadn't thought about the Mooch in so long. Yeah. Great to think about the Mooch again. If you don't know what we're talking about, go, Rugby Pass are doing a documentary about Rock Nation's rugby agency department, and it's fucking weird. But what? yeah, please do, please do go and have a look. What do you think the Dodson version of that's like? I was just thinking that, or maybe like Don Mackay. Yeah, like just love to I get behind see, the scenes. I could see Dodson in like the David Lloyd sauna. Like he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not, he hasn't been to the gym. He maybe has like done a couple of widths in the pool, but he's there. He's there for the sauna. He's there for the steam room. Widths, maybe like sauna, uh, bowl yeah, of chips. A few widths, exactly. He's maybe done a couple of deals in the sauna. Dawson just but, holding court in the sauna. He's like, somebody get me big Al Kellogg. And Al exactly. Kellogg has to come into the sauna, David Lloyd. <laughs> That'd be fucking great. Um, well, anyway, welcome back. Um, we hope that's, that's been a couple of minutes of core thistle nonsense just to get you back into the, the speed of things for the new year. You, If you follow us before, you will know you can find us on Twitter at ThistleRugbyPod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And you can subscribe to our newsletter on Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast, where we do weekly sort of roundups of everything um, in Scottish rugby, but then the occasional article. Alan, you were obviously bored in avoiding your family in New Zealand to you know, pen together 2,000 words on Scottish private schools and their impact on rugby. <laughs> yeah, there's sort of like heavy debate about sort of like different merits of deer farming and I just sort of like shut off <laughs> shut off sort of zeroed in and I think they sort of asked me what I was doing I tried to explain and they, they the whole family thought I was a complete weirdo which is yeah. fine um but no it's so easy for people from New Zealand when they think about rugby I know 100% but no to be, to be fair it just it was generally just sort of off the back of a conversation where you know ultimately kind of thinking about people like Finlay Calder Andy Irvin, um, Gav Hastings, sort of these big names of sort of lined rugby across sort of 70s, 80s, 90s. And just the fact that I would say the Scottish private school system and even more so the Edinburgh private school system have failed to produce those sort of lines, heroes of old. Right. There's not really yeah. many, you know, that's Scotland in general. Right. But uh, I just thought it was interesting to compare it to Ireland, where 
when you look at when you look at sp specifically some of those Leinster schools, and I think it's Blackrock and St Michael's, which I saw somewhere that both have around 40 professional players who are like alumni of those schools. I just a bit, I just thought it was an interesting comparison around kind of what they're doing differently to what the uh, the Edinburgh private schools are, and maybe that maybe they're not, and maybe it's the SOU that are fucking it up. Mm. So that was sort of the the genesis of the uh, of my my Christmas long read. Are you going to do one for every holiday? The, yeah. <laughs> it was the most popular Substack that we've ever published. So I don't know what that says about the state of our general Scottish... Your newsletter, Matt. But... Don't feel bad about it. No, I, I think no, it's just like, it's, it's Christmas clickbait. Yeah. Oh, it's clickbait. I'm just like, why private schools are better than public <laughs> schools in Scotland? Like, That's, that, was not, that was not... That was just to confirm. <laughs> that, that was not the subject of the article. Um, yeah. The, the the title was a little bit clickbaity, but you know if you can't be clickbaity at Christmas, when can you be? Exactly, exactly. Well, there has been some news over the Christmas period as well, which we're going to go on to talk about. And then what we're going to do in this episode, just to kick off the new year, is have a look at a bit of a state of the nation. Where is the Scotland national team? Where are Glasgow and Edinburgh? And look ahead um, to the sort of second half of the season. And slightly further ahead, obviously, for Scotland, we do have a World Cup this year. Um, to dread for the next 10 months so we've got to look ahead to that as well but why don't we start with the big news only breaking in the last sort of 48 hours um, but talked about for sort of the last six months a little bit Ben Healy um, Munster fly half um, Scottish qualified through a Glasgow born mother is joining Edinburgh next season Matt I think it's something we've talked about a little bit on the pod before but what did you make of the, the Healy the Healy signing sort of being confirmed? Yeah, well, there seem to have been rumours about it for ages, and over the last like, so two years maybe, and I kind of thought that it had fallen through. Um, so I was quite surprised in a way, um, and I think it's it's a really interesting one because he's only twenty three, um, and and judging by like a bit of the reaction on Twitter, I think quite a lot of Munster fans are are quite sad to see him go. Um, I think Munster at ten have got Carberry in this. Crowley guys kind of emerged, and it seems as if quite a lot of people were would have been quite happy for for Carberry to leave, and then for Munster to put uh, put their faith in in Healy and this other guy. So it's it's not as if it's kind of a guy who's come to the end of his career. Maybe even slightly like um, John Cooney, who's getting on, realizes he's not got a chance at, at Ireland anymore. It's it's kind of quite quite different. So um, I, I think in terms of you know. Scotland have obviously, in recent years, like taken whatever they can get in terms of people who are qualified. But it seems at least that it could be a bit more of a, a long-term move rather than just a, a short-term one. So, pretty, I'm pretty interested to see how it goes. And Alan, obviously, he's coming over. I think he's 23, 24 years old. We've just seen the news of um, Adam Hastings has picked up an injury. Um, does Healy come straight into a Scotland Six Nations squad in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I guess my assumption is still that Russell will start and Kinghorn will be 10 cover off the bench. Pretty big so, assumption that Russell's going to be in the squad. I think we've got to assume post-autumn internationals. And it's a new year. You know, it's a new Finn, it's a new Tunney. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna come together. 
Um, but you'd think, given the fact that Ross Thompson is just coming back from injury, hasn't had much game time. What about Tommy Jordan? Carving yeah, up. Yeah. yeah, that is true, but. No. You know, if if you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's a good point, but obviously not. Yeah, <laughs> no. uh, you've got to say that you think now that Hastings is out, Healy's probably most likely to be that third ten in the squad. If they if they want to have want to have three in there, and Kinghorn's going to be that sort of ten fifteen cover. Um, so I think you likely likely will see him being pulled up unless Finn Smith comes in, which is the big sort of rogue oh, option so from the side. That would be so good. And speaking of Scotland tans, um, I think it was just we we had a big sort of hiatus during December, but we we haven't had a chance to speak on the pod about Finn's big move to Bath. Um, Nine hundred grand a year, Matt. You taking that? Happy with that for Finn? Nine hundred grand a year and living in Bath sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a it's an interesting one because I think that. Out of all the teams that he could have gone to, even in the Premiership, I wouldn't say that um, Bath particularly suit his style. Like someone, I'm trying to think of someone a bit better, someone like Harlequins, for instance. Um, but, you know, ultimately, Bath seems to be getting a little bit better in recent months. Um, I'm still not sure it's the kind of place that I think his likelihood of winning silverware is. And, that high but um as you say i think that amount of money i think it makes it makes sense and i think he's always talked about wanting to try himself out in different leagues um and i kind of get the sense that brassing although they've obviously got lancaster coming in and, and khaleesi recently announced like they're not quite the force of old that they were so maybe the move just makes makes a lot of sense from from quite a few angles and Alan, do you think it's good, good or bad for Scotland, or sort of broadly neutral? I, I think it's good, good for Scotland, good for Finn. Kind of a bad deal for Bath. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't know why they're spending nine. Like I get, you know, Finn's clearly got a lot of qualities, but you know, we've just with the way Bath have been for the last three or four years, it feels like you could deploy nine hundred grand in a in a slightly more efficient way on a couple of other sort of essentially just like horrible brutes in the front five. Um, but I, you know, ultimately, I think when you look at that back line that Bath have, and then ultimately that combination of him and Redpath, hopefully yeah. if both can stay fit playing consistently together, I think that is potentially a huge positive for Scotland moving forward because I think Finn probably sees himself as having like another World Cup cycle in him especially when you look at someone like Sexton um and kind of you know the fact that you know he's is Finn what 31 at the moment um and you see I reckon sort of red path you know clearly he's had sort of his issues with injury and a bit of form but he's got to be sort of the long-term sort of option for for Scotland at 12 moving forward so if you can get those two sort of working well together just such a massive boost for Scotland. Finn is uh, 30. FYI. 30. Yeah. yeah. I was, one, one thing I was going to just back to Healy quickly. What are your thoughts on the fact that he's gone to, to Edinburgh? Did you think that means that Glasgow are, are pretty comfortable with, with Ross Thompson being, because obviously his, I think what well, a year ago when the first Healy rumours 
were circulating. It was very much focused around Healy to Glasgow. But obviously now, yeah, does it make you think that Thompson is kind of being seen as kind of the long-term option at 10 for Glasgow? Kinghorn is going to be sort of shifting into the back threes. Because like, he, Healy's ultimately not going to come uh, to be second fiddle to Kinghorn. I think he's... Well, without being given guarantees, he, he's clearly been given an indication that he's going to be starting 10 for Edinburgh. Yeah, so I think it it kind of makes sense if the SU want to have Thompson as a long-term option, and I imagine that's coming to their thinking. Um, and if you, if you have him as kind of maybe even third choice, you probably ideally want him playing a lot of games. Um, I think... It could be if Healy, you know, Healy obviously is going to Edinburgh. That's probably the end of the Kinghorn at 10 experiment. So when you think about how the chess pieces are working there, you probably need to have Thompson like as an established starter at Glasgow. Um, Maybe Tom Jordan takes over that role, but at least you've got two options there. And then Savala is maybe like the long, long term bit of a gamble option as well. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And then the final final bit of transfer news um, before we get into that sort of look ahead. Um, Edinburgh, really well done to sort of secure Buffelli's services for another couple of years in the capital. He's been unbelievable for them. One of the best bits of business sort of generally agreed in the last couple of years. Alan, happy to see King Boff staying at the damn health. I am because <laughs> he's... <laughs> Because he, he, he's, he's he's unbelievable. Um, I, I was I was surprised because I I did think that he must, especially from France. I thought he would get some significant interest. Yeah. I guess my only thought process was he's got to have been getting a lot of offers from abroad. So I, you know Edinburgh aren't you know paying him like seventy k a year. And, you know let let's assume he's on I don't know what three hundred, which sort of uh, two fifty three hundred. Yeah. yeah, sounds about right. Is given the options at back three and some of the troubles Edinburgh have had, especially in kind of like the previous sort of two months, is that the best use of that money? I suppose uh, the only thing I'd say about that is he is, I agree, but he is also like the only reliable goal kicker that Edinburgh has. (laughs) Until Healy comes. Well, that's true, actually. Um, he's a lot of money for somebody that spend a lot of time away as well. Yeah, I do, so I, but you've really, got that's always yeah. going to happen at the top end of like, what is the purpose of Edinburgh? Are they trying to win stuff now, or are they purely like a Scotland feeder team where we just use them to bring through Scottish players? Hundred percent, and and ultimately he he delivers a lot of value for games in and around the Six Nations as well, right? When when Argentina aren't well, that's aren't playing. I remember um, speaking to somebody in sort of in and around Team Bath as they were coming into the negotiations and he was just he quite likes living in Edinburgh. I also think he gets quite a lot, a relative amount of leeway in terms of going off and playing for Argentina, Yeah. which perhaps it would be, you know, a harder sell or it would be, it'd be much more difficult if he was at a French club and that they'd be getting him to come back for a week or whatever it is like they do with Finn, etc. Whereas I think the SRU are quite good at sort of treating him in that way. So it's those added bits as well as 300 bags probably all adds up to quite a nice little deal 
Yeah. I always think Edinburgh's like a nice place to be like a professional rugby player as well. Yeah. Especially like just so especially the new new stadium training at Murrayfield. I imagine it's 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 quite a nice sort of overall package for most people. Yeah. You would think so. So that is fantastic news. Obviously him hanging around in Edinburgh. Um, so that's all the news. There's been plenty of other stuff, but if you followed us on social media, we've been commenting on bits and bobs, but those were the big bits that we wanted to pull out for the purposes of this podcast. But now let's get into it. January 2023. What is the state of the nation of Scottish rugby? Let's start with the national side and then we can drop down to the clubs, although a lot of the conversation will sort of um, cross over with all three. Um, Scotland kick off the Six Nations. It comes around faster every single year on the 4th of February down at Twickenham against England. That is, you know, four weeks tomorrow we're recording on the morning of the 6th. Um, and, you know, Matt, let's start generally speaking. How do you feel about Scotland's chances coming into the Six Nations firstly and then sort of looking ahead to, you know, a World Cup in 10 months' time? Yeah, well, I think it's funny, sort of pre-autumn uh, international series, like it seems like there were actually quite a few people almost calling for Townsend's head. Um, but then, and particularly with the Finn Russell stuff as well, but then it seems as if, you know, that bridges have been mended a little bit, at least. We had a reasonable autumn. Um, Finn was firing. There was like a bit more of a kind of feel-good um, sort of atmosphere, just I think in general, rugby, Scottish rugby supporters. Um, but then I still think you look at the year ahead and it's a brutal Six Nations. I think that that England game is going to be like the toughest Calcutta Cup game we've had for quite a long time. Um, and I think if you look at like probably the style of rugby that Borthwick will play, it will be like boot the ball and savage up front. And that's not necessarily like something that Scotland have dealt that well with, um, that physical challenge. Would you have preferred then, Eddie Jones to still be in place? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He would have just like done something weird, some reason, right? Yeah, it seems like for some reason we've we've got we had a bit of an edge over him. But as I say, I think Borthwick's just they'll be so like unbelievably up for winning that game. Um, not that Scotland won't be, but I think they've got there's an added dimension there. Um and then yeah, the Six Nations is like is is brutal now, obviously. And I think even Italy are looking a bit better. And then you've got this savage World Cup group. Um, there were always going to be the challenges, right? But then you look at the amount of injuries, which I'm sure we'll discuss coming into the Six Nations in some pretty like key positions. You know, I, I'm not. I'm, I feel like quite often before Six Nations for the opening game, we're sort of we get a bit of optimism and we say this might be our year. But I'm I'm not kind of feeling that this year, unfortunately. Alan, you're famously an optimistic guy. Can you find sort of little kernels of hope? My my only sort of kernels of hope are I agree that Bothwick's sort of style and game plan and just overall approach to rugby probably makes it a little bit more difficult for Scotland, especially going away to to um to Twickenham. But but ultimately if we're going to play Twickenham sorry, play England in the Six Nations under Borthwick, you want them first up, right? Like Borthwick's not going to have had that much time. Um, mm. He's not able to sort of imprint yeah. sort of too much onto that team, I would imagine. I imagine he's going to sort of bring it back to basics, which clearly, in certain respects, Scotland might struggle with. But I, I think there is a 
a chance that Scotland can, with a relatively settled team and hopefully kind of relatively settled approach off the back of the Autumn Internationals, take on England at Twickenham and then come up to Scotland and say this like literally for the last five years, hopefully put a relatively weak Wales team to the sword. Now, that is okay. sort of looking through... back. Gavin's I know, I know. The, yeah, all day long. Well, this, the, the pessimism is, you know, Borthwick saying, you know, all the fucking shit show England's going to end. They're going to just grind us down, beat us like 12 10, four penalties. And then Wales are going to come up, Gatland ball, grind us down. We lose and we end up sort of in a wooden spoon decider with Italy. And to, to Matt's point, Italy are starting to look not too bad. And actually, they carried some of that kind of six nations form into the autumn internationals as well i think it's a tight loss to england at twickenham we're up by seven at half time against wales and lose by a couple of points <laughs> and then wales get a grand slam out of nowhere and everyone's like what the fuck has happened here uh, if wales win a grand slam i think that's me done with done rugby. done rugby i can't i can't deal with another substandard wales grand slam considering Post we're going you're, you're going to the game with our welsh friend as well that's yeah, I know. <laughs> the last, uh, in the last time you went to Scotland, Wales, you went down to Cardiff with him, and was that when we got pumped? Yeah, that was that was the one with. Um, it's a bad omen. The, was that the Harris Jones? The Harris Jones, yeah. That was yeah. I was calling for years. <laughs> blew, <laughs> blew up within like ten ten minutes. Um, and again, Matt, yeah. sorry, I was just gonna say, Matt, you referenced it, you know. Scotland's injury crisis comes around faster every year. It usually only takes one injury in any given position, but we've got, as we know, Xander, Fagerson and Darcy Graham are looking pretty much out for the tournament. Watson, Hamish Watson as well. We don't really know status in his return. Cummings and Darge are, Glasgow have just given an update that they might be coming back um, at some time around the England-Wales bit, but there will be basically no... um, no game time before that you know Duhan limped off from the 1872 hasn't been an update from him and Adam Hastings is now going under the knife for a shoulder injury are you concerned about that sort of you know Scotland never has unbelievable depth but are you concerned about that sort of level of you know almost like nailed on starters being on the on the injury list I mean yeah absolutely I, I think particularly Xander Fagerson because below him at tight head prop like the options aren't that great like you've got Nell obviously who you know is a decent scrummager but do you want him like playing 50-60 minutes in those kind of games I don't know and then below that you've got like Sebastian Bergen like it doesn't look that great um, and then I think it's just a, a I think you can always put someone on the wing that will do a job. Like I even think that Kinghorn on the wing could probably do like a reasonable job at the moment. But if we lose, lose Darcy and Duhan, like D- Darcy's probably the foreign player in Scotland at the moment. And Duhan, although he had a shocker for the 1872, um, is just such an effective weapon for us. So that's a bit of a worry. And then I think if both Watson and Darge are out, um, you know, I think Luke Crosby's actually had a really, really great season and probably on form has been playing a lot better than Watson. But 
they're still like your big name players who are very experienced, well, particularly Watson, very experienced. And um, it, it does look a, a bit of a, of a worry, to be honest, as, as you say, just because the options below aren't, aren't terrible, but just there's the, a the decent drop off. And then particularly the, the next rung below that. Do you think you think Maitland's getting a rogue call up? Love he it. He was he was interviewed in the Times, wasn't he, recently, saying that like he's he's still kind of open to to a call up. That was quite. I, I love that sort of come and get me piece in like yeah. sort of early, late December, early Jan. Whenever you see him for Saracens, he's like always scoring tries. Still looks to because I suppose he never had like super super like Darcy Graham speed, but it seems as if he's still got that overall same level I'd, I'd, I'd be quite keen for it he's played a role in so many uh, big Scottish wins you'd feel quite kind of comfortable having him there 100% and ultimately he's starting for Saracens who are the best team in England like he is performing at a, an extremely high level so day in day out so I, I think he's 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 the sort of guy that's just like never going to have an issue sort of coming into that le- that into test rugby um yeah, I, it's interesting. I guess I was thinking probably, would you think him and Kyle Stain, if Duhan and Darcy are out, would start in the wings? Not a lot yeah. of out-and-out pace Robert on either Blades. of them, really. I know. As I say, solid options, but, you know, if we want to win big games, you need, like, you need a Graham or Duhan to do something. It's a big nah, call I'm, to I'm chuck getting... in, like, a Rufus McLean or something like that in there. I think you've got yeah. to put Kinghorn on the wing. Kinghorn on the wing. Do you think? Remember back to the good old days when Kinghorn was gonna was on the bench and he was gonna be like a winger and then he was gonna play 15 for Scotland and everyone was like, yeah, this is good. He's a good player. <laughs> we can do this. Yeah. I, I guess I, I don't know when he last. I don't think he's played wing post COVID. No. So no, when no. was the last time he played 10 before he started for Scotland? Like, no. <laughs> Scotland under 16. It's not. It's not. It's not a disqualifying factor, is what I'm saying. No, it's true. I mean, I, I guess I wonder whether you end up seeing who's the there's the sale sale um winger that's always got a few rumours. Um, Roebuck. Uh, Roebuck. Yeah. And what about Rue McConaughey? Yeah. Oh yeah. Who I think would now be was there not issues around his. He's eligible his, now. I think. Is he eligible now? Oh. Fair. Yeah. He's not played for England for. Maybe it was the 19 World Cup. Was he in that squad? Yes, yeah, he was. He was. So he'd be clear now. It's the same as um, it, the same qualifying category as what's that hooker? Singleton. Singleton. Yeah. Singleton. Yeah. Be interesting. Do you think Tua Pelotu has basically cemented his place as a starter for Scotland? He's getting better. He's yeah, really he good. was. He was really, really impressive in the 1872, in the in the in the second match. I'd say he actually was the one who kind of turned the game in terms yeah. of taking it by the scruff of the neck, and everyone sort of followed his example. I'd I'd still like to see Redpath in there, but and I think two has not got like the complete range of skills in the same way that Redpath does, but he's still got pretty good hands, and it was his grubber that set up the. Um, for Kyle Stane that then set up the George Horn try. So I actually think he's got some nice, nice touches. Um, Alan, are you still, you still calling for Chris Harris's head? You'd like to see him dropped, yeah? <laughs> you, wow. you, you, personally, you don't like Chris Harris. 
<laughs> yeah, he's a great player, but uh, personality-wise, I hate him. No, he actually the complete opposite. He comes across extremely well. Um, I, I just don't think he's bringing enough to the attack, and yeah. I appreciate all the qualities that he brings from a defensive standpoint, and I appreciate that 13 is an extremely difficult position to um, to operate in from a defensive standpoint. But I think when you look at what he, the impact he was making in attack, both from a creative, but also just kind of like making meters gained, right? It was pretty lacking across the, the autumn internationals. And I think that it's fine. Maybe when you've got Darcy and Duhan and Tupelo too, kind of bursting holes, which they were, especially in that um, final game against Argentina. But if we don't have Duhan or Darcy or we're missing, or missing that option, then yeah. it just feels like having that lack of attacking nows in the centres might might impact us a little bit. I don't expect it to happen. I, I, yeah. I, just, I, I he, he's, he's got his name. It feels like he's at least for the Six on. Nations. I know, I know. But again, I, I just... I worry that if Darcy and Duhan and Hogg aren't firing, I'm not quite sure that he's able to do too much from in the centres. And and the other thing I suppose that's front and centre Scottish rugby fans' minds, you know, the Finn melodrama, and we've talked on this pod an awful lot about the importance of just sort of sorting that relationship, Tooney Finn, you know, particularly in the run up to the World Cup. You know. Matt, you talked about it feels that we're sort of moving on from it. Do you, do you think that we're kind of done with that now? Do you think, you know, we never know what's going to happen, but do you think Finn is now sort of going to be nailed on in that squad and as Scotland's starting 10 for the Six Nations? Firstly, do you reckon Finn's doing dry January? <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. Um, to be fair, he's got a new kid and... It's it's you, you sometimes just need that sort of soft glass of white wine there on a tough day. I agree. I was going to say a soft, I... soft glass of white wine. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> um, well, I don't know because I would have said like a year, year and a half ago that that relationship was was mended after the kind of yeah. public fallout and then the, all the interviews, etc., the briefings, etc., and then. They've clearly pissed each other off again, <laughs> but now they've reached some sort of detente. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if it happened again, to be perfectly honest, because there's clearly something in their relationship that's quite explosive and that could sort of go off at any time. Um, yeah. You just you just hope that Townsend sort of Townsend's probably going to leave after the World Cup, like. In my mind, if I was him, I'd be thinking, right, I've just got to get through like dealing with Finn until the end of that, because I think recent months have shown that he needs he needs Finn ultimately. Yeah. You'd think so. You'd think surely Mark Dodson is just like, Gregor, just fucking just come on. I don't care. Can you just sort the shit out? Like, that's the sort of conversation that needs to be had. I tell you, it'd be interesting to see if they start to have a bit of an effect, or I, I guess it's, it'd be interesting to know what the relationship is between him and Finn. Is that AB Zonda guy, yeah, who sort yeah. of came in as that attack coach, and I guess ultimately, I think you know, clearly in the last Six Nations, Scotland struggled, sort of mm-hmm. started to get their groove a little bit at the end of Autumn Internationals. 
it'd be interesting to see whether we what we sort of see from Scotland in terms of attacking shape. And I guess it's ultimately does what AB Zonda want to do with the team sort of align with what, again, Finn wants to try and do from 10 because ultimately he's such like a <laughs> powerful character and clearly so important to everything Scotland do in attack. You, you're hoping that they're going to be quite aligned in what they want to achieve. But I think from an attacking standpoint, when you look at that New Zealand-Argentina game, so the last sort of two games of the Autumn Internationals, there was actually quite a lot to be positive about. Yeah. Which we sort of really haven't had for the last sort of year or so. So it's, um, I don't know, it's uh, such a difficult one. I guess, again... I can't can't wait for our DMs to start blowing up in about a week saying, I'm hearing the fins out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just for that. I'm, hearing, I'm hearing Finn's not travelled and we're just thinking fucking hell we go again it's going to be 40 hours out it's like Duncan Ware starting at 10 it's like what the fuck is that <laughs> but yeah if, I, if, I still don't see us beat. I don't see us beating Ireland or France France away just feels so France far out away. of reach oh, and yeah, even cool. and even Ireland at home on like a oh. Sunday afternoon it's oh. <laughs> like there's just maybe if it was a Saturday night game, but a Sunday afternoon against Ireland, you can just see them sort of grinding us down and and ultimately yeah. sort of winning by like a two score um, result. And uh, yeah, France France away God, could be Six Nations is is really hard, isn't it? Fuck. <laughs> Imagine if they add South Africa to it. Fucking hell! No, no, no. <laughs> we've got the um see we've got the graveyard slot against Italy as well on Super yeah, Saturday. Always. 12, always. 12 It's like an old firm. It's getting earlier and earlier. It's gonna be like <laughs> ten ten in the morning at some stage. <laughs> Get that out of the way. If before we go on to talk a little bit about the World Cup, but obviously it's a long way away. Um can I extract a prediction from you then, Matt? Where do you think Scotland will finish? Give me a position and number of wins. Uh I I think we I mean, there's, there's a chance we only beat Italy in that. Yeah. Because um, I just think if if we were playing Wales with Pivac, I think this would be our time. I think finally it would be like, right, all this nonsense, like we're a better team than them. Wales rugby yeah. is in disarray. But I just think that Gatlin factor is going to be massive. And in the same way, I think the Borthwick factor will actually be huge as well. Not that he's as kind of like inspirational as, as Gatlin, but I think his approach. And I think the fact that England haven't won the Calcutta Cup for so long, I think it's going to be brutal. Um, and I think it will suit suit England. France, step too far. Ireland, once again, step too far. So maybe, maybe two wins. If we get any more than two wins, that's like an unbelievably good tournament. But So par, par, is two, par is two wins against Italy and Wales. Alan, you buying I that? I think so. Yeah, I was going to say, I think... I think we're going to come fourth, two wins against Wales and Italy. I think best case scenario, we beat England and come third. Worst case scenario, we get the wooden spoon. Yeah, that does sound about right. England does look like the one we could. I just don't see us beating Ireland or France ever again. (laughs) Possibly not. (laughs) I definitely don't see us beating France away. I feel like. This, you could like get like a sort of gallic them, yeah. spasm when they come to Murrayfield occasionally, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but even looking at how good some of the French club teams are in the Champions Cup, like oh, Toulouse God. and La Rochelle, just like completely savage. <laughs> 
I uh, yeah, I think um, away is going to be too much of an ask, and I, I still just think one think about for the World Cup is this Ireland team clearly just still have the measure of Scotland, and you can even see in a lot of the club matches that Munster Edinburgh game, Munster in that second half just dominated and bullied that Edinburgh yeah. back. Shit, we need better private schools, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More private schools. But you, you've touched on the World Cup, and it, we will. This is going to be the narrative that's going to run through the whole season. We'll talk about it huge. So let's not spend a huge amount of time. But South Africa, Tonga, Romania, Ireland, in that order. You know, let's just go go straight into it. Matt. Are Scotland getting out of their group at the World Cup? I I think there's close to like a zero percent chance. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just. Like even if it was like England, Wales, maybe even France on a bad day, like I think you you kind of think, well, there there is some sort of chance. But when was the last time we beat South Africa? Their game plan is specifically advantage against Scotland. Yeah, and I think Ireland is kind of the same. Um, you know, Ireland haven't. Um, a, tend to kind of like peak and then slip up at World Cups, but that's still at like the quarterfinal stage. It's not, it doesn't tend to be in the group stages. Um, and I think that Ireland just look unbelievably strong going into the tournament. Um, they're just so used to beating us that I, I don't see that much evidence to suggest that that wouldn't be the case. Um, I'm pretty that's confident what... we win the other games, but I just think they're, we've got like the almost the worst possible draw actually. Yeah. That is one thing that over the lifespan of the pod has just become like so clear is that Ireland just like think Scotland are a joke at club and international level. Like it's just ingrained in the psyche of all their players that we are a joke. Maybe Ben Healy will come across and like change the like imbue this Munster mindset on Edinburgh and Scotland. I feel like Munster a little bit like recently been like the Scotland of Ireland though. Yeah. <laughs> they'll just get bullied by Leinster all the time <laughs> true well they're, they're better recently no no they have been um, and Alan do you see a path to getting to the quarterfinals and meeting New Zealand I think being South Africa is a bet a better is a better bet than beating Ireland yeah yeah especially because I think it's Quite first match is, is it first match up it's I think. first match up yeah you remember like obviously South Africa you know yeah, not that this is a great bellwether, but obviously clearly, you know, when you look at like what happened with Japan in 2015, I feel like when that first match up and, you know, players are a little bit, you know, I don't know, there's maybe more scope for a surprise or players to not sort of perform mm-hmm. to kind of their, the level. It feels like if Scotland can kind of pull a surprise and sort of really hit the ground running against South Africa, but I just, I just struggle to see sort of four games into the tournament against Ireland, given kind of current form and trajectory, that, we, that we're going to be able to sort of take them. Arguably, I think we'd probably prefer New Zealand than Ireland. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, ultimately, we'll probably beat South Africa and then lose to Tonga. <laughs> yeah, Tonga's like global all-stars that they're bringing together. Oh, I know. Just Izzy Falau scores in the last minute. You're like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. That would, um, that, oh, narrative wise that would fucking drive twitter insane oh god <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ 
Um, well, let's leave Scotland there. I'm very conscious of time, actually. Do, do we want to just pie? For a second, yeah. <laughs> do we want to just pie Edinburgh and Glasgow? Should we just do a quiz? Yeah, and then yeah, say, say, yeah say we'll do it another time. I think there's fix. Is there... Yeah, it's Zebra tomorrow, and then Glasgow Stormers. got Stormers. At home? Oh, let me just check. Do we want to try and get back together next week, and we'll say we'll do like a domestic look ahead, and we'll say this yeah. one's sort of been mostly international, and then next week will be domestic. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good shout. And then, uh, the, and then in two weeks' time, it'll probably be Six Nations squad, so that cadence works quite well. Yeah. Okay, Glasgow, cool. Glasgow got Stormers on Sunday. Sorry. All right, so that let's call it a day there on the Scotland preview. And um, behind the scenes, off mic, we've just been discussing that we need to go to work. So um, we will come back next week and do a deep dive into Glasgow and Edinburgh, looking at the domestic side of the um, coin. By that time, Edinburgh will have played Zebra and Glasgow will have played the Stormers. So we'll have another game onto which to understand where we're at in the club game. But Alan, start us off in the new year with a quiz. Presumably this is some sort of like look back at last season quiz, yeah? No, in, in no way. <laughs> when I was building it, I, I didn't even think that it'd been the end of the year. I just did something that seemed mildly interesting to me. So there you always have it. An, it's always an insight into your mind as to what, what does Alan find interesting these quizzes? <laughs> So actually, given time, we'll just do two two buckets. So both both related to the World Cup. Go on. So the first one is there since 2000, there has been eight players who have played ten for Scotland in a World Cup. Who are they? Okay. And uh, we'll we'll just go back and forth between the two of you. So Finn eight. Russell. Eight players have played 10 for Scotland in the World Cup since 2003. So, uh, Dave, Finn I'll Russell. I'll take Russell. <laughs> yeah. Matt? Seems to have disappeared. Sorry. Oh, no. Um, no, no, I'm here. Uh, I will go uh, Adam Hastings. Correct. Played against Russia. I'll go... Duncan Ware? Duncan Ware. Very memorably against South Africa. Uh, mm -hmm. St. James's Park. Oh yeah, that run is so good. Um, I'll go Rui Jackson. Rui nice. Jackson. Main main ten at the extremely disappointing 2011 World Cup. Oh god, yeah. I'll take Chris Patterson. Patterson, yes. Huge. O th o 03 and 07. Um. Dan Parks. Dan Parks. Lovely. Dave? Greg Laidlaw? Laidlaw is a no. Oh. Struggling now. Uh, Townsend. Townsend. Oh, nice, of, of course. Couple of performances at 10 in the 03. So you got one more. I'll open up to the floor. What, um, unless Dave's got one, what year was it? It was Stuart Hogg? No, not Stuart Hogg. Off the top of my head, I think it was 03. Hodge? No. Um, A real living legend. 
but not really. It's not. He is living, but he's not a legend. <laughs> he is living, but not a legend. What a description. Um, <laughs> I don't know. My mind's going blank. Any, he any clues? Any more clues? Played, played for a couple of teams in England. I'm not sure if he played much for... Oh, um, Gordon Ross. Gordon Ross, oh. yes. Dogsy. I know. Definitely not a legend, but certainly living, as far as we know. Right. There is three... Uh, since the Rugby World Cup in 1987, there's three teams that Scotland have played four or more times. <laughs> who, who are those three teams? We can cut this. I'll give you a second and we can cut this out. Can I, How many? Can sorry, I three teams. Three teams. So you, you can all... Should I go first? Yeah, go What we'll ahead. do is you, you all give me your three. And okay. then we'll... Uh, so Matt, you go first with your three. I'm going to say England, Italy, and France. Dave? Yeah. Oh. I was going to say... Definitely England. Um, um, do we play Ireland quite a lot? How do we go for England, Italy, and Argentina? Why the hell not? So <laughs> you both got zero <laughs> points. <laughs> what, what are the what are what are the four that you think we played England in? Uh, twenty. Uh, Two thousand eleven. Ninety-two. Ninety-one. Wait, sorry, ninety-one. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Good. Sorry, isn't it? Romania. We seem to play Romania quite a lot. Romania's three. So the four are. So so the three. Sorry, are Samoa. So ninety-one, nine, fifteen, and nineteen. Uh-huh. That includes Western Samoa. Got Japan. Ninety-one, oh three, fifteen, uh-huh. and nineteen. And then the team that played the most is New Zealand. 87, 91, 95, 99, and 2007. There you go. So, and then the final one is, <laughs> see how this goes. Can you go back and forth and name me all the teams that Scotland have played in the World, World Cup since 1987? <laughs> Don't try. Dave, okay. do you want to start? Ivory We've got, Coast. We've named quite a few already. Nice. Ivory Coast is one. They're not played Zimbabwe. They have played Zimbabwe twice, 87 and 91. England. England, <laughs> twice. Ireland. Ireland, twice, 91 and 19. France. France, three times, 87, 95 and 03. Well, New Zealand. New Zealand, five times, as we said. South Africa. Twice, 99 and 2015. USA. USA, we've done twice, 03 in 2015. Russia. Russia, 2019. Australia. Australia, 03 in 2015. Japan. Japan, as you said, four times. Did we say Argentina? And no one said Argentina. Mm, twice, yeah. 07 in 2011. Canada. Never played Canada. <laughs> I don't know why I'm Ooh. going. I'm searching for like weird ones when there's still like tier one nations in there. Uh, Portugal. Portugal. Oh, oh nice. Romania. 
Romania three times, 87, 07, and 11. Am I right in thinking we played Spain in 99? We did play Spain in 99. Fantastic. That's great. Have we done Italy yet? No. Italy, 07. How many more have we got? There's five left. You got a bunch of Pacific Islands and then two other. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, did we say some more? Didn't say some more. No. Fiji. Fiji 03. Remember watching it. Three more. Th- that was ran through Logan. Is that <laughs> the most unfair, the most unfair one-on-one ever in rugby? <laughs> I know. I think that the most unfair one-on-one was the <laughs> second Thouthou try where he like stepped James McLaren more easily than any player I've ever seen be sidestepped <laughs> in my entire life. Um, Isn't there like footage online of like Lomu versus like Tony Stanger or something like that as well, which is really bad. <laughs> it was against. So um, I was actually I was actually at that game. It's Barbados in Scotland, and I, I, I can't remember at the time, but from the footage, it was Cammy Murray. Cammy Murray, getting, like, yes, that's what I mean. I yeah, think, I think Lomu scored four tries that day. Oh um, God. Three more, one in 95, one in 99, and one in 2011. Have we played Tonga? We have played Tonga in 95. Um, Georgia? Georgia 2011, remember. Mm. Yeah. It was really painful. Is that the one we almost lost? Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like 12 6 after like 70 minutes or something. We, all, we, we just... almost buggered it up against Romania as well, that tournament. Yeah. Yeah. The, fi- the final Dan Park's penalties that day. Yeah. God, that was a real low point, wasn't it? And then the final one in 1999. Interesting fact about the 1999 Rugby World Cup, which I hadn't realised, was you had to you did the pools, and then there was a a playoff to get into the quarterfinals. Oh. So there was five pools, and Scotland came second, and then they had to play like a round of 16 against Samoa to get into the quarterfinals and then, ulti- and then ultimately get beaten by New Zealand at Murrayfield. I'm trying to think, uh, well, I mean, we've, we've named pretty much like every <laughs> country. No, one missing is Uruguay. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uruguay, 1999. They were in our pool. Didn't know that. There you go. There you go. Right. Very enjoyable. It's the biggie tomorrow, by the way. It's uh, Stu Malgas Watson's. Ooh. Is it? Yeah, I'm heading down. I'm heading down. Can't wait. Where is it? At? At Inverleith. At Inverleith. Both, both in a relegation dogfight, actually. Bloody heck. What is this? That's prem, prem, Premiership? No. National one? National no. one. Yeah. So that's the... Because the, the Super 6 size lifted up to Super 6, and then there's... Does that then? There's does pre, that, then there's, then there's Premiership. Then there's Prem, then there's, then there's that one. one. Yeah. Whew, that is a biggie. Biggie. It's a biggie. When, when how, how, much pay be... for a, how much pay for a pint in Inverleith these days? Good question. I mean, for a report, while. report back. I will. I think it's I breaking, will. broken the four pound barrier. <laughs> we'll find out. I think it might be. It's under new management these days, so it's more commercial. Oof. Sad times. Oh, you hate to hear it. Hate to hear it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, thanks very much, everyone, for joining. Um, as I say, we'll be back next week. We'll do a much closer look at the club sides. Um, 
But until then, follow us on Twitter at ThistleRobyPod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore Roby underscore Pod, and subscribe to the newsletter on Substack, and we will speak to you very soon. Cheers. Okay. I guess given, given the fact that we don't really talk about the pro teams, I guess there's, there isn't much of a rush to get it out ASAP. I was, I was thinking. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.